0: Ladies and gentlemen, it's that time. Put those earbuds in, turn up the volume, because it's the time for another edition of Double Take Sports Talk with the Watch Brothers. Right now. All right, let's go, guys. we got. in the world. All right, ladies and gentlemen, take what's you know, Double Take Sports Talk until then. What's the going on? I felt Not too bad. Not too bad. How about yourself? Not too shabby. Not too shabby. Yeah. Pain, but not too shabby. Yeah. Don't so note it. Don't so note it. Uh, so real quick before we get into it, I uh, sustained a ankle injury over the course of me trying to drop this weight and significantly, pretty, pretty much hurt it pretty badly. Uh, I'm at a point now where I can just limp around the house. I have not been getting off of my ankle because I am too stubborn and hard-headed, and Daryl will attest to that, that I refuse to sit down and stay down and lay down. So I have been um, trying to recover from that, but there's too much determination. And I, I can actually understand, Daryl, how a player feels being injured but still want that hard work and grit determination to still oh yeah get back out there so i know how they feel now and it's because all i want to do is just you know get in there and continue to work out and lose weight and stuff it's too hard yeah they express frustration when it comes down to you know those high grade ankle sprains because they are no just and i'm one of them because this is really a high sprain ankle uh injury without a doubt uh, could be a little bit of information. I'm not sure. Um, I'm really not sure what it is, but it's killing me. That's all I can say. Um, the Madden talk. Let's talk Madden real quick. Uh, got to say this. Uh, <laughs> so I finally broke my four year drought. Uh, of not winning a Super Bowl in Madden 20. I mean, in Madden, the last time I won a championship was in uh, uh, Madden 2016 or Madden 16, so to speak. Won it with uh, the Cleveland Browns. I won it with the Cleveland Browns uh, to the Green Bay Packers. That was the last time I won a Super Bowl. I have not won one since. Um, I won it in 2022. The regular season record was a 14 and three record with a postseason record of three and zero with an overall of 17 and 3. Drill, you heard most of this, except this part. Um my 2021 season stats as a rookie was 30 touchdowns, 40 interceptions, a 78.5 rating, and 4,050 yards on the season. Last season, 2021-2022, uh, with 62 touchdowns and 32 interceptions. Uh, the most touchdowns i thrown in that season was seven versus Miami. The most mm-hmm. interceptions I've thrown also in that season is tied, four-way tie with four against Philadelphia, Jacksonville, New York Jets, and the Giants and the Chicago Bears, NFC North Division rival. Mm, 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 mm. Uh, so in the postseason, again, I was 3-0, was the Super Bowl MVP, had 16 touchdowns, one interception with 1,364 yards. Starting out this new season with the 2022-2023 season, uh, played my home game against the Bucks, 41-35 in over time, it was thirty seven for fifty five, four hundred thirty one yards, three touchdowns, one pick, with a one on one point four uh, rating, and sixty seven percent of my passes completed. With that win, I also had six sacks. Mm, offensive line ain't protecting me. Exactly, so I had to improvise and make my own plays. So. That's it for me with Madden Talk. Uh, I'll have more next week. Actually, I have uh, the uh, from week two on. Uh, I've already played that; I just never got the stats down. But I share week two and whatever other games that I play on that behalf as well. But that's all I have. Um, I have to come across an article, and I have to talk about this. So I've seen an article that talked about uh, Larry Bird mm. and how he is frustrated with today's league with. The free throw shooting consistency. That's interesting. Yeah, He's getting frustrated because you see a lot of these big men or a lot of people that struggle with free throws he'll they'll be like oh well it doesn't really pertain to me because they don't found me a lot yeah. so I really ain't got to put the shots up or you come across those ones that just don't want to do it because they're more focused on other areas and birds is Flat out said it. Hey, these are the easiest two points you can get. Why are you not putting up those shots for free throws? I agree, Larry Bird. I agree. I'm not even going to disagree with him. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's the whole, just the whole thing. Now, you have to speak, because if you're going to speak on that, you have to be the king of it. And his high, his highest free throw percentage that he ever had in his career was that I think in ninety one when he had or ninety two when he uh, shot ninety three percent from his charity strike. So for people to actually go and take those shots, you know, you you kudos you kudos to them. You know, Stephen Curry, uh, Dana Barrels, um, uh, Reggie Miller, Mark Price, uh, Mark Price. You know, you kudos to these people that actually take the time to take uh, put those extra free throws in. So when I was at it, I did decide to do a little bit of research real quick, and I actually like in a sense, okay, since Bird spoke on how he felt very frustrated about the free throw inconsistency. I want to see how he did as a head coach for the three years that he actually coached Mm -hmm. the Pacers. Right. So his first year in 97-98, the team shot, the Pacers shot 76.4% from the foul line. During the lockout season of 98-99, they shot 79.6%. And then his last year, 81.1%. And by far, the best free throw shooting team I've ever saw. Mm -hmm. Reggie Miller got better. Mm -hmm. Dale Davis got better. Mm -hmm. Mike got better. They all improved within that one grasp of that season. That took them to the NBA Finals. Even Mark Jackson improved. You know, that took them to the NBA finals, and that's what really made the way, could have made the way, yeah, to uh, actually get deeper in the future. But it didn't work out because Larry Bird ended up resigning. He said he was going to do three years. He resigned, and then Mike Jackson moved on. Rick retired. retired. I think, well, yeah, he probably went on and retired. retired. And, of course, Rick Smith moved on. White Jackson went to another team. And, you know, Reggie Miller still hung around, but, you know, uh, Dale Davis moved on, you know. It, it's, it came back for a short stint, too. Yeah, it did. It came back on a short stint for um, the 2003-2004 season during the uh, playoff run, which was very, very key to when uh, Jermaine O'Neal, Stephen Jackson, after the miles in the palace, they was like, forget it. We have to get Dale Davis, and they did. So, mm-hmm. you know. Bird spoke on that on the free throw shooting, and he was like, "This, this, this got to change. They have to get those free points. And it's as simple uh-huh. as that. Uh-huh. You know, you make excuses for it. You got to make it practice. You got to make it work. So I agree, Larry Bird. Yeah, I, I agree with it too. But that's my open talk for Larry Bird. Okay, before we go into and before we prepare for our next segment, uh, real quick, uh, Darryl, Larry Bird's best free throw percentage came for the eighty nine season with a ninety three percent. 90, okay, gotcha, from 89. I thought it was 91, 92 for some odd reason. Well, 90, 91, he didn't even play. It was 91, 92, he had uh, 92, which very well could have rounded up to a 93, but he had 92. Well, they said 93%, so if it was 93, a 92.5 or more, then yeah, it was rounded up to 93. It's tied between the 89 and the 91, 90 season. Yep, yeah. because they actually have it, you know, precise to 92.6. Yep, yeah. so they rounded up to 93. So. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. All right, so uh, we're going to prepare for our next segment, which would be our segment talks uh, today. Uh, I am going to talk a little bit about uh, Park Cannon. That was my second episode uh, on my podcast. I talked about Park Cannon and the ignorance that she had to went through, and I talked about that briefly in uh, the uh, condensed version of what I did. And Durrell is gonna go back into his uh episodes and talk about the uh, drugs and mental health with his platform talks. So we hope you enjoy. We'll be right back as we prepare for our next segments of the podcast. We'll be right back. Many of you may not know who Park Cannon is. I didn't know anything about Park Cannon until I learned of her arrest. Uh, so, for those of you that don't know who Park Cannon is, Park Cannon serves as Code Revision, Creative Arts and Entertainment, Ethics, Human Relations, and Aging Insurance and Small Business Development Committees of the House. I challenge you to figure out what stands out on what she serves on, because it, showed, it should show that I should not be talking about her getting arrested. But anyway, continuing, before the camera was rolling, police or a Capitol Police officer told Cannon not to knock on the door. Cannon asked just a simple question. Are they in this side of the bill? Capitol officer responded, don't knock on the door. Now, that was off camera before it was rolling. And at that point, Tamara Stevens started recording this for documentation Uh, by the way thank you Tamara Stevens for doing that because it shows uh, how law enforcement officers can lie and try to cover up their tracks if they did do any wrongdoing it shows that it contradicts and again there's more podcasts that's gonna support that statement as well Documentation showed that she continued to knock and the officer arrest her knocking on the governor's door, Brian Camp. At the time of the video, the arresting officer gave her no code until the arresting officer filled out the report. The codes are 16-10-24, which is a felony obstruction, and 16-11-34.1, Preventing Or disrupting A general assembly sec- Section Or session Excuse me But well, what's the problem With this arrest? Um, I have three issues With this arrest Number one Privilege from arrest Article one Section, section six clause one Reads That in all cases Except tre- uh, treason Felony And breach of peace be privileged from arrest on attending of the session of their prospective houses in and going to returning from the same. For any speech or debate in either house law enforcement shall not question them in any other place. Let's think back for a minute. Ms. Cannon serves as code revision, which means code revision is responsible for technical and grammat- grammatical revisions of Georgia statutes. Its goal is to revise modernize and correct errors or omissions in Georgia's codes and to repeal those portions which have become obsolete and have been declared to be unconstitutional or have been pre-exempt or substated by subsequent laws. Last I checked She was knocking on the door to do her job. This isn't funny how the law statutes read one way, but in the governor's office says something different. It's so funny how the statute read one thing and the governor's office says something completely different. They could do one thing, but not the other. But the rule reads that it's a crime to pass out food or drinks to voters. Anyway, to prevent Miss Cannon from doing her job suggests that something is rotten in the state of Denmark, as the old saying would go. Number 2, the police report. In the arresting ap- report, Lieutenant Langford said at 1833 hours, which would be 633, translated into a regular 12-hour time format, he heard what sound like banging coming from the area of the governor's office. Banging and knocking are two different noises now I'm just being petty here at this point but the lack of education showed a lot from hitting the door and not understanding the representative of Ms. Cannon's job description number three they are signing SB202 with a picture of plantation plant painting in the background For those of you that don't know what a plantation is, here's what it is. A plantation is a large farm or building in the colonies that enforce labor of slaves to harvest cotton, rice, indigo, sugar, tobacco, and other farms produced for trade and export. The purpose is to have a place for agricultural laborers to have for slaves. It developed in the America South when the British colonists arrived in Virginia. To sign this law in front of the picture shows the ignorance of the governor's office and the disrespect they have for black people. Thank God that the prosecutor did not go forward with any charges. Dismissing the case against Cannon was the right thing to do because this is unnecessary. Cannon would have been in jail for many years just for knocking on the door. Questions to ponder. Number one. Why are we moving backwards? And number two, why are white people afraid of power? Here's my thinking, we are moving backwards because some white people do not see racism in America and think that sweeping it under the rug is the correct answer. Many people do not research or dig deep into the issue of why racism exists. I keep hearing that America is not racist. I could show this in episodes coming, but it's up to you to be open-minded. Black people are in power in many ways, but not, you know, power of President of the United States like once Barack Obama was, but being able to sit down and have some form of say. Black people have that power. All we want is equal treatment. Black people has to be in control to try to keep things sane. Passing this SB202 bill is an excellent example of why white people are afraid. Now, let me, before I continue, let me just say this. I'm not talking about all white people, so to those that are not taking offense to this when they're listening to this podcast, thank you. Because you guys are the ones that are not a part of the problem but it's a part of the solution you guys know that oh this is not something that i do so he's not talking to me but for those that do take offense to this and get very defensive then yeah i'm talking and simple. i cannot put it any plainer in any bolder than that I am talking to those that takes offense to racism and always jumps on the defense. America's not racist. America is one of the safest countries to be in without racism, without discrimination. But yet and still, we turn on our TVs every day just to see racism, discrimination, gaslighting, On TV! Done with the rant. Stacey Abrams flipped the state, and they don't want to strategize on how to do better. After Stacey Abrams lost her governor's race, she made it a mission to make sure that people got out and vote. Matter of fact, I'm reading her book right now, Minority Leader, How to Lead from the Outside and Make Real Changes. I am learning how she did this in her book, Real Time. It also scared them that they can be out of a job if blacks came out and voted. Forget doing the work. Make it hard instead. This is one of the problems that we have always had that we have spoke out against uh, those in power, that they cheat. We see this in in the police. If Rodney King wouldn't have been recorded, things would have been different. If George Floyd would not have been recorded, Things would have been different. Things would have been completely different. And I would get to that when it comes down to George Floyd. I would definitely talk about that. And how things could have changed if one headline would have stayed exactly the way it was. That is why they are afraid because they refuse to put themselves in the position to keep their jobs. Instead, they just try to manure the easy way and get out the easy way is it frustrating yes for people that worked hard it's very frustrating people like Stacy Abrams that worked so hard to flip that state and for them to turn right around the side SB202 that's a struggle. And for Park Cannon to get arrested for trying to do her job and the governor don't come to her defense while you have what, seven, eight other white men in there with him? Are you kidding me right now? So you're going to make it that much harder to do her job. She's in there to do her job. She's not in there to raise concerns about capital riot as so to speak coming from lieutenant Langford. use drugs for lots of different reasons whatever your reason is using drugs may have long-term negative effect on you but the long possible term effects could include the following um needing to take more to get the same effect high blood pressure and strokes problem with your liver and pancreas Development of certain cancers You know Example of Liver cancer Bowel cancer And mouth cancer um, Difficulty obtaining And maintaining an interaction Excuse the French But um, I didn't realize It was going to be um, A little uh, Man I'm so tired um, What's the word Did they say Suggestive Or anything like that But uh, Difficulty with orgasms, uh, difficulties becoming pregnant, Uh, feeling like you must use the drug or alcohol. This is known as being dependent. Uh, Withdrawal systems such as feeling sick, cold, sweaty, or shaky when you don't take them. Have sudden mood changes. Having a negative outlook on life. Loss of motivation, depression, anxiety. Problems with relationships. Being secretive and having episodes of drug-induced Psychosis. So if you use drugs for a long time, it can cause a serious illness for your mental well-being. Drugs can make you more unwell and more likely to try to harm yourself or take your own life. All right. Welcome back. Thank you for listening. As always, you could be anywhere in the world, anywhere in the world, but you are here with us. So thank you so much for listening to us and us just busting the chops and just talking sports as always and making sure that we are still making people aware of, of racism, discrimination and mental health. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. I'm Darren. girls, right there. All right, so our next topic comes from the NFL. We're going to talk a little NFL here. Uh, We're going to talk scores from week 10, and I am going to share that here real quick. The final scores for – is it week 10 or is it week 9? I want to say week 10. No, it's week 9. Is it week 9? Yeah, I made a mistake last week too when I said coming up. uh, Week 9 scores. Thursday night football was suggested to the Colts. The Colts, 145 uh, thirty. We'll get into well, – I'm not going to get into stats on that behalf. Uh, Falcons and Saints, the Falcons won 27-25. And also check out the uh, predictions as well. Um, as we uh, continue to do our predictions, uh, we'll have a week 10 tomorrow. Yes. Yes, tomorrow. Uh Broncos and Cowboys, the Broncos won 30 to 16. The Patriots and the Panthers. The Patriots won 24 to 6. Uh the Vikings and the Ravens. The Ravens won 34 to 31. They pulled off another two touchdown uh comeback. Uh the Browns and the Bengals, the Browns won 41 to 16. That's the NS ASC South Division rival battle. North. Sorry, North. Uh Bills and the Jaguars, the i don't understand this game i'm sorry go ahead no you're fine because i was just about to say the same thing pretty much took the words out of my mouth i don't understand this game i don't understand that um the jaguars won six to nine or nine to six uh trevor lawrence is the second rookie quarterback to defeat buffalo and sean mcdermott's error other than um, the person the other person that did it was the rookie sam darnold Uh, Texans and the Dolphins, the Dolphins won 17-9. The Raiders and the Giants, the Giants won 23-16. The Chargers and the Eagles, the Chargers won 27-24. The Packers and the Chiefs, the Chiefs won 13-7. The Cardinals and the 49ers, the NFC West Division Battle, the Cardinals won 31-17. Titans and the Rams, Sunday Night Football shockingly the titans mm, won mm, 28 mm. to 16 the tennessee defense got five sacks two interceptions and i believe a pick six touchdown yeah. Yeah. Pick so six the touchdown. both titans and the rams are now seven and two on the year and lastly but not least <sighs> monday night football the bears and the steelers the steelers won 29 to 27 some of the scores for week nine in the nfl on to the news. Let's talk a little bit of, uh, about uh, Odell Beckham Jr., OBJ. He is now off of uh, waivers. It could be signed by any team. He has five teams that are interested in him, being the Chiefs, the Packers, the Seahawks, the Patriots, and the Saints. Meanwhile, he has three. But he is going to take his time picking the three that he wants to join out of those three. And I believe those three, don't quote me for sure, but I believe one of them is the Chiefs, the other one is the Packers, and the other one is the Saints. I believe them with the Patriots. The Patriots? Patriots. Mm-hmm. That's the team he narrowed it down to? Yeah, it was the Chiefs, Packers, and the uh, Patriots. Hmm. Okay, I thought it was the Saints, but. Um, them are the three teams that he narrowed it down to, he's going to take his time to uh, pick uh, those uh, teams that he wants to, to play for. Me personally, just me personally, the Packers don't need him. The Seahawks definitely don't need him. The Patriots don't, sort of needs him, but not really. Uh, the Saints could use him, but I think the biggest team that really needs him is the Chiefs. Um, I think Patrick Mahomes and OBJ could really uh, play well together, especially with Patrick Mahomes' extension of the uh, quarterback presence of being able to stall out uh, plays to improvise for OBJ to be able to get open, and I think he could make that happen. Uh, Baker Mayfield really didn't make it happen. Even Eli Manning made it happen for OBJ, where he played with the Giants, uh, and that's what made him pretty spectacular as a wide receiver. Absolutely. That's where that's where would, that's where he where he is at today. That's right. um, so I think the Chiefs could use him a lot more than any other team that's on this list. Daryl, who do you think? Well, I think personally, if they want to beef up their receiving offense, I really think he needs to consider the New York Jets. He needs to consider the New York Jets because the Jets are there, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. They their defense has, you know, gotten a little better. It still needs some improvement. They're still in the rebuilding process. Mm-hmm. So the offense, the offense is there too. They got the the weapons of receivers, but they need that punch in OBJ. Mm-hmm. But the protection needs to come with it so if obj can actually consider the jets that could be not necessarily complete but it can also be like satisfaction to where they can actually get further than you know being in a uh um, under 500 team there'll mm-hmm. be probably at or above five hundred and they could be able to actually squeeze into the wild card. Uh But it'll just have to take a lot more improvement. And if if they continue to stick it out with Mike White, it's a possibility. And Mike White has shown some promise in the Jets organization anyway. Over Mm -hmm. Zach Wilson anyway. So Mike White has a real good potential as well in the NFL. Absolutely. 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 All right, that's uh, OBJ. That's the latest news on that behalf, uh, which speaks. Uh, Mike White is probably going to start for the Jets, and Joe Flacco will back him up. I believe the Jets this week is playing, You know, and I just looked at this too. And we just did the predictions for it too. And we just did the predictions for it. I believe the Jets are playing the Bills, the AS East. They're playing the East, uh, the Bills. Possibility in winning? We who talked we about pick? it on... Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't remember who we picked. Oh, I, here we go. I got it. Yeah, you got it. I don't have I it because it. it's on my, on my laptop. It's electronic. I got it. So for Buffalo and New York, just a slide of preview, we both picked the Bills. Now, don't get it twisted. If Mike White, like I just said, if Mike White... Shows out the way that he has been showing out. He He even showed out Thursday night. He did. Before he got got hurt, he showed out. They had a legitimate chance to win. Oh, yes, they did. They did. They had a legitimate chance to win that game. If Mike White does what he does, you bet the Jets got a chance to win this game. Definitely got a chance. Definitely got a chance. But I, it sometimes we don't find out things until after we do the predictions, which which hurts us uh-huh. a lot. It it With hurts. the Green Bay-Canada City game. Yeah, that hurt it, it and, and that's that what's going to be the death of us for the rest of the season, um, yeah. It's finding out things after we've done, done the predictions for them. Um, but for the most part, um, they have a good chance of winning, and um, that's going to be an interesting game mm-hmm. going into Week 10, a 1 no o'clock doubt. game. So No doubt. That's just the thought process. That's the latest news on that behalf. And one last thing. I had said that I was going to start doing uh, studying the defense. Well, during the week, I had come up with some complications and decided not to go that route. So what I decided to do instead was to do the analytics quarterback performers, my top five quarterbacks for each week. So week nine, here are my top five quarterbacks. Number five being Mr. Teddy Bridgewater, 19 for 28, 249 yards, one touchdown, no picks. The reason why I picked him, plain and simple, he beat Dallas. That team beat Dallas. And they did it without Von Miller. So bingo. That right there. Number four. Benjamin Roethlisberger, 21 for 30, 205 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Now, everybody had talked about Mike Tomlin not being able to get this Pittsburgh team back on track, and I picked Ben Roethlisberger as number four just simply because, one, because of his stats, and two, he's starting to, you know, starting to come back to life a little bit, just a little. Not a lot, just a little. Number three, Justin Herbert, 32 for 38, 356 yards, two touchdowns. No picks. He only missed five passes. I believe that's five. Six. He missed six passes. To me, being above 30 and completions and attempts is amazing. He earned number three for me. If he would have had three touchdowns, probably would have moved it up a little, but he had two touchdowns at 356 yards. Number two, I had to choke on this a little bit, but I'm going to take it and run with it. Matt Ryan, 23 for 30. 343 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Um, Matt Ryan, I simply picked him. He's starting to to come back to life. He has a uh, rating of 135.8. So he's starting to come back a little bit, you know, back to where he – uh, used to be as well. I'm still not 100% confident in him, but he did land a top five spot in Week 10, in, in my personal okay. opinion. That's welcome. Cool. And lastly, but not least, everybody think this is going to be biased. I will probably never do this again after Week uh, after week 9, but I did it for a reason. <clears throat> Carson Wentz, 22 Woo! for 30. 22 for 30. 272 yards, three touchdowns, and zero Picks. That line right there is the exact reason why he's number one. Three touchdowns, zero picks. One other person that threw three touchdowns but did uh, did have a pick was the team he played against, Josh Johnson. Three touchdowns, one pick. I picked Carson Winston's number one because he did throw three touchdowns and I was impressed with the way he uh, uh, played. You know, against the Jets team that very well could have whooped this behind and that offensive line. But you have a, you're in, in New York is actually going through so many backups, it's not even funny. And the way that they play was spectacular. But Carson Wentz at the same time, he's only thrown what, one or two picks through he, week nine? Three. Three? He's thrown three. That's, that's seven, phenomenal work, believe seven, it or not. 17 touchdowns, three picks. Yeah, that's – you can't ask nothing for better than that. Now, a lot of people would probably say that is biased, but at the same time, you have to look at the stats. That stat is just a phenomenal stat. Mm-hmm. Regardless of how you want to look at if he was playing well week nine or mm-hmm. that was just week nine, he's just playing well. He's playing well. Absolutely. That's Absolutely. Is. He has is, got a rating as well. as a 134.3. Yeah. So, or that's a really a, probably a passive rating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that is all I have on the behalf of my analyst quarterback uh, performance. Next week, we'll have the same thing, but hopefully it would be different quarterbacks that have been able to step up in, in, their, in their in their roles. Uh, but we'll be right back as we prepare for our next segment, which is the NBA. We'll be right back. All right, it's time to look, take a look at some things for the NBA. Um, one of the things I'm gonna talk about is a breakdown of the Pacer game that's gonna be from Sunday's game against the uh, Sacramento Kings. And the game they lost, to... right? No, they won by three. They won that game? Yes, they won by three. How did I blow that? Wow. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, they won by three. Yeah. Uh we'll get to the uh get to the breakdown of that here in, in just a brief second. Um and also today's point guard position is gonna be Damian Lillard and why he is struggling this season. But before I get down to those two, me and Darren talked about this briefly, and we're going to have to talk about it on the podcast right now. Hmm. Now, as we all know about that scuffle (sighs) from, yeah, we have to talk about this. You know this. You know how I feel about this. uh, Now, hold on. I'm getting ready to say the way me you was talking there everybody would agree with us oh i know I. oh i know now you damn right so the gist from the Denver and Miami game the other day Nikola Jokic was trying to bring the ball down court so Markeith Morris decides he wants to be an ass and give him a dirty rough foul and what the one mistake that he that uh he shouldn't have did he turned his back and so Nikola Jockets gave him a cheap shot and gave that fool some whiplash. Yeah, because if you gave the cheap shot, you're getting it right back. And it's just like I say, it's like, look, if you're gonna do a, a hard foul, don't turn around. You know what I'm saying? Don't turn your back to who you did the dirty foul with. That's how you get Nicola Jockets. You you pay for it. You, you know what I'm it. saying? He paid so, for it, got out of the game, was never mind. Go man, ahead. He got it. No, you're good i was going to say he got ejected too. Uh Nikola Jokic got ejected. He got suspended for one game which starts tonight in Indiana. In Indiana uh when they travel to Denver. And um uh, Marquise Morris and Jimmy Butler has been fined. Uh Marquise Morris was fined 30 for, no 30. Nope, no 50. 50. Jimmy and Butler can got got fine. 30, 30. 40 instigating it, which I think he should have got suspended the game just for instigating it. I agree. agree. And and so here's the thing. I'm just going to give my thought. If you want to give your thought, you can. But I'm going to give my thoughts on this. I used to respect Markeith and Marcus Morris, but when they went to Phoenix and they started causing havoc, that's when things started to change. And so now... Since Marcus Morris wanted to get himself involved, Nikola Jokic's brothers got involved too. So they bought tickets to the next Heat game. I believe when the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat plays, they bought tickets for it just in case something went down. But my thing is, should have been more focused on the Clippers because Marcus Morris... Is going to be your guy that's gonna retaliate for his brother. Yep. He's gonna retaliate. And this to me is just like they're dirty people. I don't like these fools anymore. They're straight up dirty. And this is a and this is where I just get to a point of I don't like watching. They're garbage, they don't play well. I mean they they have their they have their games, but to me. They're just not good. They're not good players because they always want to get on the court to try to make themselves bigger than their muscles. And that's not mm-hmm. even the case. Right. It's not the case at all. I, I just, it, they just really just disturbed me in 50 million ways that you can't even count. And I probably wouldn't even blink an eye. I could give mm-hmm. three days. Mm-hmm. You know, Barkley and Shaq gave their comments about how they felt um, when they went down. And I agree with them, and I love what they said. It was awesome. Shaq loved it. He liked the Nicola jacket. Ashley went and Sucker, you know, gave him the whiplash yep. from behind. Everybody did. Yeah, Everybody yeah. said it. You, you get what you deserve. What yep. comes around goes around. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so Marcus Morris wanted to put himself into the predicament. Bruh, even if you're right or wrong, you can stand up for your brother all you want to, but you know that was wrong. You yep. knew that. You knew that. You fucking knew that. So you just got to cut that out for real, you know. That it just don't, it just don't help you when it comes down to him and his dirty plays. just as much as yours. And it doesn't make no difference. And so now that the Jokic brothers have to get involved, it's going to get different. It's going to get very interesting. Mm-hmm. it to get very interesting. Yeah, anything you want to add to that? I'm just going to be brief, real quick. Um, The reason why I believe that the uh, Jockets brothers went ahead and got the tickets for the Heat as so versus the Clippers because the Clippers, they don't play the Clippers until next year. Mm -hmm. They play the Heat November 29th, which is a few weeks from now. So I Ah. think that's why they went ahead and bought them now to deal with that game. And they very well might buy uh, tickets for the Clippers as well, but I think their first step is to start with the uh, – the heat when they play again in uh on November 29th. secondly uh what Kenny Smith said I like what he also says like they have always played this way and somebody has to you know pretty much give them a hardcore lesson because mm-hmm. that was whiplash that pretty much that the uh, color uh, did to him oh, and I loved it. very rightfully so was very well deserved. Oh, yeah. And third, and third, and last but not least, let me just say that the Morris brothers make twins look really bad. So let me throw out a disclaimer right now: <laughs> this has absolutely no reflection on any other twins that you may know, hence me and Dura. <laughs> right. Nothing. The way they act, we do not act like that in a way to stir up trouble on social media. And if you don't believe me, just take a look at the social medias, and that will explain a whole lot. Sure will. That's all I have to I can't do this. Uh, Yeah, I I, I just have to bring it. I think that's just something we just have to talk about and just let it free flow for a little bit. But, uh, yeah. All right. Passion again. Uh, the last time they played was Sunday. They played tonight against Denver and mm-hmm. Denver, mm-hmm. And they beat the Sacramento Kings 94 to 91. Oh, I could be wrong. I just saw that score. Wait one second. 94. Yeah, oh, 94 man. to 91. 91. Mm-hmm. So uh, Carius LeVert led the team in points, which is 22. Which he is I'm, not playing tonight. He is not playing tonight. But uh, back. Yep. Yeah, he – I'm going to start having a problem with him, but I'll get to that here in a second. Um, TJ McConnell finished with 18. Uh, Miles Turner had 12. Devon Sabotis had 17, and Chris Duarte had 15. He is balling, believe it or not. He is playing hell of basketball apart from Karius LeVert, I pick him over Karius LeVert any time. Mm-hmm. And he's a rookie, and that's mm-hmm. not good. Yeah. Let's take a look at a couple things. The largest lead from this game, the game was tied three times. Sacramento's largest lead was three. The Pacers was fifteen. And I've always said it a million times for the Pacers. If you're going to win this game, you're going to have to close it out. Now, they could have damn near blew that 15-point lead, and maybe they did. I'm not 100% sure, of course, since I can't necessarily watch it yet. But uh, it could have happened. You know, It actually could have happened. But for them to get to them 15 points and then do them to lose by three, Closing out the game is what is most important at this point. And they got the job done. They closed it out. One other thing that I wanted to point out that I felt was very important was two things one, field goal shooting and free throw percentages. Sacramento shot 86.4 from the free throw line while the patient shot 77. That hurts. Despite them still winning by three, it hurts. Mm -hmm. And what hurt Sacramento is that they shot 36% from the court, while the Pacers shot 44, which is a bigger improvement to actually shooting versus free throw shooting. Mm -hmm. That cancels each other out, which is why the Pacers pretty much won. But the Pacers will have to calm down for three point land because they shot 24%. Sacramento shot 29 But it did itself a favor because Sacramento was bricking just as much threes as the Pacers. Mm-hmm. So it did them a favor. But the Sacramento Kings out assist the Pacers 20 to 13 while they outstole them 14 to eight. So uh, Sacramento had 16 fast break points, while the Kings also had 16 fast break points. I'm oh, sorry, second chance points. Pacers didn't have any fast break points. So they kind of played it slow. They played play a tempo, which I like to see. That's why I love watching the 80s Lakers with Magic Johnson, because they play tempo. It's fast. Okay. I love watching that. And the Pacers also had 15 uh, second-chance points, too. So I am overall still impressed with what the Pacers are doing. They're doing phenomenal, even though that they're still on the struggling side, but they're still showing the <coughs> at the potential that any other team could play. they played the West, and they've done good. So I can't argue that so far. So we'll see how they do in Denver tonight without the color jockage and we'll go from there. But that's all I have. What's the something you was going to add to that? I was just going to say that the Pacers went into the fourth quarter with a 74-67 lead, and then they cut it down to three and two, and they never, never separated added. again. Okay. So it's a state like that. So that's how they won. Yeah. All right. Lastly but not least, Damian Lillard, one of your underrated point guards so far well in his whole career he's been uh underrated mm-hmm. so the bigger question has been why is he struggling i believe there's two reasons why he's been struggling the first reason is the new officiating rules even though i love the fact that the new officiating rules has come into play because this shows that they have to be more professional about how they play. It doesn't reflect Damian Lillard, but the second reason to why I think that he is actually struggling is because he is still dealing with a injury, and that affects the shooting. Oh, and I had a third reason, and the third reason is new coaching change. With Terry Stotts, he was free will. We saved it shot from the logo. He shot from anywhere that he pleased. Now with Chauncey Billups, it seems like that there has been a significant change. And I noticed that when I started watching some of the Portland games on how uh, Damian Lillard is not taking logo shots anymore. He has taken the actual range three-point shots and the struggle is there. He'll heat up. Then he'll cool down. He'll heat up, then he'll cool down. Let me tell you what I mean. In the average so far this season, in 34 minutes, 34.6, 19.3 points per game. He is 7.0 for 19.2 in field goal shooting, which is 36%. He is two for five, 2.5 for 10 and three-pointers made and attempted, 25%. He is shooting 85% from the foul line, but his 8.3 assists really outgoes his 19.3 points per game. But he also has two-and-a-half turns as he's averaged. Your bigger problem with Damian Lillard at this point right now is that he has to get to, to now passing the ball more mm-hmm. to where he's not shooting it a lot more. Mm-hmm. If he's going to shoot, let Damian little get the chance to actually shoot high-percentage shots. Mm-hmm. Not the three-point shot, but the high-percentage shots. I will leave, at this point, if you're still struggling with, which I think he is, struggling from an abdominal injury, I would let CJ McCollum and Robert Covington take over three-point shooting while Damian Lillard gets the uh, high percentage shots, maybe draw some contact to get to the foul line. You're shooting 85%. That's your best percentage shots right there. The 36 and 25 in itself, if you're shooting for field goal percentage and three pointers, it's gonna it's not gonna outdo your 85.7%. Keep going to the foul line. You know, just keep going to the foul line. Right now, take care of yourself. While you're still dealing with the lateral injury, because it's not an it's not an easy injury to get over. Dear, you know it from your ankle, so it just doesn't help anything, right? Tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, the way you go, you just limp. You're like, oh yeah, let me help you, Daryl. I'll be there. Be in there in a minute. Thanks, me there. forever. Yeah, and so you know, it's it's that it's that upbuild. So it was frustrating me on how everybody said that Damian Lillard needs to go to another team. No, I totally disagree with that. He don't have to go to another team. Reggie Miller could have went to another team, but he did. He didn't get the necessary help. And if he did, guess what? It was full of egotistic people. So now with Damian Lillard, he may not be getting the help that he needs, at the same time, I think you have to kind of take the progression the way that he needs to. You still got hot shooting in Robert Covington and CJ McCollum. Use him. Use him. You got, you said, Look, he could He could dominate the paint. He's been doing it. Uh, when I watched those, he's been dominating. It's not the fact that he needs to help, he just got to heal from the injuries. They can get there. That's just how I feel about it. That's all I got. Anything else you want to add to that? Just to add that Charles Barkley did say that uh, C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard cannot play together. That's all. Bullshit. But
1: I agree.
0: It's bullshit because if if C.J. McCollum and and, and Damian Lillard, if they can't play together, I'm just going to be real with you. Stephen Curry and Clay Thompson should be playing together either. Despite – them winning Super, uh, Super Bowls despite them winning uh, Championship. NBA championships mm-hmm. they should be playing together either that's just how I feel about it but sometimes you just have to let your mind just shift over to other things and David Lilly should be doing that but that's how I feel about it but that's all I got alright so we'll prepare for the final uh, thoughts of the podcast what's next we'll be right back All right, so what is next? Uh, Next week, we are going to take a look at the scores from Week 10 in the NFL, and we're going to go back to the NLNA's quarterback performance, find out my best uh, QB performance, quarterback performances. Also, we're going to do a pace of breakdown of another game, and then we're going to go back with Daryl into the point guard precision, and we're going to talk about the one, the fire, LaMelo Ball. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's all right. All right. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be another good one for you. But until then, thank you for downloading, too, and listening to our podcast. Of course, we're on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, uh, at dtst 14 and uh, at The Watch Brothers, respectively. Uh, we're on YouTube. You can subscribe to our channel, share our videos, our content. Do whatever you got to do. Follow us, though. Subscribe. But until then, I'm Dura. Dan's on the opposite side. Yep. All right. Catch you with another episode of Double Take Sports Talk. Until then, ciao. Ciao.